0: What's up, everybody? This is Marty Friedman, and you're watching CMS-TV.
1: It is Chris Aiken presents, and I of course am Chris Aiken. And if you don't know who that guy is over there on the other side of me, then you just don't know metal at all. He is a legend, a legend from the mighty Megadeth. He's a legend now with his own career past Megadeth. Uh he is the great guitarist, Mr. Marty Friedman. Marty, how are you, man? How you doing, Chris. Nice
0: to meet you.
1: Yeah, good to good to talk to you, man. And um, you know, it's one of those things that publicist hits me up and says, "Do you want to talk to Marty Freeman?" I you know, it's like saying, "Do you want to talk to Elvis for me?" So it's you know, it's <laughs> a, it's an absolute yes, man. So it's a, it's absolutely a privilege to talk to you, man, and um find out what's going on. Obviously, you've been in the news for some stuff you've been doing, so why don't why don't you catch everybody up? We'll start there with what you're what you're up to and what what's going on.
0: Wow. Um, Would you prefer me to wear headphones, or do you hear everything fine the way it is right now? Yeah, I hear you fine. Okay, good. Um, So what am I doing now? Uh, So much stuff. Um, The main thing, I guess, right now is um, I've been recording my upcoming album uh, for almost a year now. And um, it's going to be finished by the end of the year, and it's going to come out in the spring of 2024, and, um, boy, it's an ambitious one, but, uh, of course I say that every time, but, uh, every time I have to top the one that was before it. So the task keeps getting, uh, more and more insane. And right now I would say I'm about, uh, 75% done with that. Okay. And at the same time I'm editing, uh, my autobiography, which will come out, uh, also next year. Um, and also, um... I just did the most exhaustive um, instructional video series for True Fire, the most exhaustive one they've ever done and the most exhaustive one I've ever done by far. Um, It's the deepest dive into um, just the way I see music, which apparently is not the same as how others see it. Not that it's better or worse, but it's just completely different. So for the first time ever, including any of my other instructional things, for the first time ever, I've really actually worked hard on it and um, created this thing. And I did it at the end of the tour, um, the U.S. tour that I did uh, uh, earlier this year. And now it's just about finished, just putting the last edits on and uh, just about done with that. So um, it's kind of a lot of post-production work at this point. Sure. And it's all good. For for you, Marty,
1: what is it that you have to do to challenge yourself? And I asked the same question to Steve Vai a year or so ago. And, you know, for him, it wasn't so much about playing as much as it was about challenging himself stylistically like he he felt like he reached certain plateaus in the various styles that he played and that's why he would always try to do something very different or try and invent a new guitar or something like that for you what is it that challenges you to keep pushing forward
0: um it's uh similar to that but not exactly the same i'm not really so much into uh uh trying something that i haven't done for the sake of trying something i haven't done i'm trying to uh impress me with something that i've never done before you know it's not like i'm gonna suddenly wake up one day and say okay i'm gonna be a rapper or something All right. I, I do what i do and i have my musical vision and sound i just try to uh do deeper things with it. I try to uh, make more complex emotions, deeper emotions in the music, more interesting melodic twists and turns, more adventurous things, things that I wasn't deep enough to do last year or two years ago or five years ago, things that I couldn't hear back then, things that uh, I can only hear because life has given me more experiences since then and of course more more musical experiences and um just to consciously be aware of stuff that i've already done and not repeat it is just it's a natural challenge that i've been doing forever um and it's just the hardest part is that blank sheet when i just start from zero it's like how am i going to top that last thing that i just did i worked my ass off I'm completely done. I have nothing left. I got zero. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the challenge. But now that I'm about 70, 80% done with this new record, I'm pretty confident with it. And uh, I really am looking forward to uh, uh, letting everybody hear it. Sure. Now, how
1: much, if any, do you think that you have changed as an artist by the change in culture, you know, obviously moving to Japan and you've been there, what, two decades, I believe. So, um, you know, with that, you know, as somebody, as I shared with you before we got started, that lived over in the Far East, like, you know, as well for a little bit of time, not, certainly not two decades, just two years, but it is, you can't even explain it to somebody here how different culturally it is. You just can't. They don't understand you know, the devotion to family and the devotion to heritage and the devotion to, you know, history that, that goes on over there. And it does change you as a person for you. How do how has it changed you? Not necessarily as a person, but as an artist, has it changed the way you hear things and see things? How long, how
0: long were you in Korea? Two and a half years, two and a half years. That's a, that's a good chunk of time there. And, uh, kind Of hit it right on the head. I mean, every culture is completely different, and you can't say one is better than the other because, like, it's like uh comparing red and orange, you know what I mean, right? Um, it's meaningless, but uh, it is completely different from where you and I grew up. I assume you grew up in America, and mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up um not too far from you on the east coast, and so it's just a great life experience that I would recommend to anyone to have a good, serious amount of time, like a year, couple years, and actually like make a little base there, you know, get based there and really um, just try to not necessarily assimilate, but try to make your way through this other world and then see what you learn about yourself. See what you learn about your own country from a, different mindset see what Mm -hmm. other people think about your own country and um because when you're in your own country you're kind of blind to what the rest of the world thinks about and it's the same thing here too because like you're doing your own thing you don't really care about what other countries think so um it's very interesting to be on the other side and find out what you know, uh, you know, what people think. And and it definitely influences you as an artist to work in that kind of environment because, of course, I'm doing the same thing that I've always done, which is create music. But now I'm doing it with a team of people that I've put together over the two decades here in Japan. And it's a completely different work environment and ethic and style and flow and content and just the sounds of daily life is different from you know where i grew up so it's got to definitely uh have a different sound to what i was doing before i lived here and plus it's just so incredibly stimulating to be here it's just endless stimulus coming in from all angles i assume any like major metropolis is is kind of like that but japan is kind of like it's kind of like, um, well, Tokyo is kind of like uh, New York on steroids, I always say. You know, it's sure. always, there's just so much stimulus and um, being able to weed out the things that don't sink in and then really grasping onto the things that you like, that's got to show up in the music and I, I'm sure it does. I mean, I did three albums of Japanese covers, so that that's right. one direct venture uh, it, it's influenced me
1: right and for you you know i i mean it's a weird thing because over here when people talk about you there's a certain group of guitarists that you're put in the same group as you know the the hammetts and the you know the the thrash guys the from here but then i'm curious over there do you get put in the same do you get compared to, I don't know, Tak Matsumoto or Akira or, you know, the, the famed Japanese guys? Do you fall into that bucket over there or do they still look at you as American guitarist who just lives here?
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. That's very interesting. Um, um, it's an odd, odd thing because um, since, well, actually not too long after I came to Japan, I started to do a lot of television and a lot of media and as a result of doing kind of non-musical television a lot a very large percentage of the mainstream didn't even really know what my real gig was <laughs> they just right I'm a guy on tv or in a commercial or whatever um so a lot of people just think that i'm this guy who's on tv sometimes and and <laughs> And that's that's cool, too. You never know what people know me from. I mean, if I'm touring here, obviously the people who come to my shows know what I'm doing. Or if I'm doing a musical program, then people know that. And I've done every possible kind of musical thing, from uh, playing with the, the top orchestras of Japan to uh, playing with traditional Japanese instruments like taiko drums and shamisens and kotos and all that. Um, So it all depends on how the person has discovered me um, to find out what category they put me in. So it's interesting, you know, if someone meets me on the street, I don't know what they know me from until they tell me. So, oh, I saw you on this show. It was great or whatever. Happens in the taxi all the time. Of course, if I'm like in a guitar, say I'm doing like a guitar event or something, like japanese version of nam or something of course those people are going to see me as you know the guitarist and uh a lot of people follow me from my solo career here um and so a lot of people know me from that of course from my previous other bands before i started really concentrating on my solo stuff and so uh you never know um but the domestic international thing that you was probably your main question yeah very interesting because when I play say for example a festival here you know they have sections for the international artists and for the domestic artists and right. I've been in both <laughs> I've, I've done both so I don't know what criteria it is one festival I've done completely as a domestic artist another festival wouldn't have me because I'm not a domestic artist Um. And they were only doing domestic artists. And I've done some festivals like, for example, Loud Park, which is like almost 90 percent international artists. Right. So is no like, OK, now you're domestic. Now you're international line drawn. And uh, yeah, it it's I guess it's good and it's bad. You know, sometimes in Japan, it's very separate. The domestic mm-hmm. world of music and international they rarely ever cross sometimes they do over the last maybe five years but before that it was two different worlds like people for example who know who Matsumoto is Mm -hmm. they might have never heard of metallica or u2 or celine dion or adele or whoever lady gaga whoever's a international artist right because they only know the japanese artists and that's that just blew my mind when i first lived here and found that out yeah it's yeah and it's funny because you know you haven't i mean
1: you obviously most people here know you from megadeth obviously but over there i would imagine you're probably 80 percent of the people anyway do not know you from megadeth is that sort of accurate
0: it kind of is i mean a lot of it um especially the non-musical media, like television. Um, now I've done so much more music lately than television, but like a couple of years back, it was like I was doing like almost all television things and maybe a couple shows in between. Right. And that's the type of thing that goes in cycles. You know, sometimes you're doing a lot of that kind of work and sometimes you're doing other work. So it, it kind of balances out. I mean, i love doing that but i love doing music much more so given the choice i would rather work on music than do television although television is maybe more lucrative and more there's more exposure but at the end of the day um you really i was born to make music and and it's fun doing tv and stuff like that and chat shows and variety shows and all that it's good fun but like what am I here to do? I mean, I'm here to play music, so I try to do as much music as I can. And um yeah, I mean maybe like 20 years ago more people knew me from Megadeth than than now. sure But um you know, if, if you've done so many things after that, you know, it's just like Megadeth is one of the things that's a part of my career, a very good part. And uh then I played with them again um this year when they right. played at Buddha, that kind of like reminded people what I did a long time ago. Not that that was the purpose of doing it, but it kind of, uh, for the people who knew me from that time, it was a real special, special event. And a lot of people, what's he doing there? I mean, why, why <laughs> right. is he doing this? Shit? Like, Oh, I get it. So, you know, it's, it doesn't really matter. You know, if you, if you dig in what I'm doing, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Right on.
1: Certainly. Well, dude, you brought it up, so let's talk about the couple of gigs that you did um, step on stage with Megadeth again. Uh, certainly, internationally, here the 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 buzz started going immediately. Marty's coming back. Marty's coming back. You know, uh, and I don't. You can answer that part if you want, but my question to you was just how was the experience for you? I mean, obviously, it's fun, but is it like stepping back into old comfortable shoes or does it feel like you're stepping into someone else's band and just playing at this point? I mean, how does it feel for you?
0: No, it was like, uh, you know, it was like going back to an, uh, a really hot ex-girlfriend and, uh, doing it once for old time's sake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's really what it was like, you know, and, uh, that's what I expected it to be. And it's exactly what it was. And, but in, in real life, how often do you do that, you know, with your ex-girlfriend? It's like you, right? you never do. But in the world of rock, I guess it's possible to, you know, go back in there and then nobody gets hurt. And, and uh, you know, a lot of uh, smiles and tears and shrieks of whatever they were shrieking about. It was, it was all good. <laughs>
1: right on man is it is it something that you would like to do again not not full-time necessarily or maybe full-time but at least maybe here and there
0: and who knows you know uh we're all friends and um let's just leave it at that it's you know it was a wonderful a wonderful day or, or evening i don't remember i guess it was an evening yeah it was wonderful sure. and uh we did it again in Germany because we are both on the same festival, and it's like, okay, and it was wonderful then, too. But uh, I'm also the band's biggest supporter, so whatever they got going now, my fist is in the air for it. I, I think uh, they're continuing a legacy that uh, deserves to continue.
1: Right on, man. Well, Marty, i got to ask you about one of your old old uh, bandmates just because he, he's a friend of mine as well, um, David Ellefson. What did you think when you saw, if you even saw that he recently was given a Grammy nomination as a singer for his dieth band? What, really? <laughs> yeah, his, one of his he, he sings on one of the songs and he and he got nominated for a Grammy as the singer. <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, wow. I, 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 I couldn't believe it myself. I know what I talked to him, what last week, I guess, and um, we were we were chatting on, it, and I introduced him as the Grammy-nominated singer, and he was like, "Just stop."
0: <laughs> damn right, damn right, damn right. Um, I would want to be uh, announced like that. I didn't even know he sang. I'm gonna have to like look that up.
1: Yeah, it's 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 with his new Dieth band. There's one song that he sings, and um, it's it's quite the it's quite a surprise really when you see him out front singing it's it's really interesting but it's just hell yeah well well marty let, let's let me uh, i'm going to go back in history a little bit i don't really like to do a lot of old stuff but um for a lot of people including myself your work on rust and peace one of the top 2 metal albums of all time. I'm sure you've heard that. You know, it's just, a lot of people AB it with Master Puppets and it's either Rust in Peace, Master Puppets. I know I do and I go back and forth. Some days it's Rust, some days it's Master. For you as somebody that played on it and now has, you know, 25, 30 years whatever it's been since then, how do you evaluate a your participation in it, and B the record just as a whole. Can you look at it objectively at all, or not even a little?
0: Definitely, I wouldn't even have the first idea how to answer your question. Um, it's <laughs> just, it's not even in my wheelhouse to really think about it at this point. Uh, I I wouldn't want to say anything for fear of it it being uh, not correct because <laughs> i'm not really i'm not really equipped to answer that question at this point sure um, i haven't heard it in forever and i'm proud of it i love it um but i just don't really have i can't give you an answer that would satisfy you <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's, it's not really in the forefront of my mind <laughs> sure at this point. Sure. sorry about well, well, that. Well,
1: no it's all good Well, when you're doing a record, whether it's that or solo stuff, White Worm, or, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever music you're doing, how do you, as a virtuoso guitar player, how do you evaluate when you've hit something that works? Do Do you just know? Do you sort of know and say, well, I need to tweak it? Or how do you evaluate when something works for you?
0: I have a good answer for that. Um, And this goes all across the board for everything that I've done and certainly everything that I've produced. Um, And even when there's another producer involved, um, this is pretty much the key to that. I have to just love it. I have to sign off on it. I have to get excited about it when I hear it. And the way to do that is listen more than you play. And when you listen listen back as if you're listening to someone else um because it's just human nature to be kind to yourself um after you've worked really hard on something and you've nailed it once you've nailed it and you've played it correctly it's very easy to take that satisfaction and mistake it for actually liking it does this make sense yeah yeah Um, you're satisfied because you've completed your goal you played it great, nailed the hell out of it. Do not mistake that for actually liking what just happened. (laughs) Satisfaction with your performance and liking the content are two completely different things. And uh, once you get that, suddenly the criteria of your work just goes up tenfold right there because you're throwing out stuff left and right even though you worked your ass off on it you practiced so hard you spent days and weeks editing things and you reproduced this and you've recut that and spent more money and finally got it to where you think you've done it perfectly but then you're not listening to it as if someone else was listening to it you're listening to it with the years of i put so much energy into this and it's correct so it's done and um you know that that mindset is just not the way i do things and i haven't done things that way for years thankfully sure. me. I mean, actually it's been a pain in the ass doing it this way because i do a lot of extra work and throw a lot of shit out um right. but at the end of the day when i release something I I don't care if it sells one unit or one billion units because I've signed off on every second of this thing and, and I feel really, really good about presenting it to people and I have absolutely no interest whether someone likes it or not. Of course, I love it if they do enjoy it, but it's the best I can do and I really... This is what I wanted to do. This is what I'm happy with. So anything above that is like I'm ahead of the game. Um, but oftentimes, if you work your ass off and you nailed it, and you just think you've done it, then you're kind of waiting for others, other people's uh, uh, confirmation, other people's approval. Do sure. you like it? Did they like it? Did these people like it? Um, you know, you can never control what other people like because they're all. They have their own influence their own life going on and every single person's different so you can't control that but you can control whether you actually like it so uh, that's my very long-winded answer to that but since i'm <laughs> recording an album right now i'm so deep into that mode sure um, i'm deep into that mode i just i'm actually recording a song today that i needed because i dumped a song that I'd been working on for like eight nine months that it's oh, wow. close to completion and I'm like Listening to it objectively. I'm like, you know, I know I can do something that I like more than this So why don't we start something so I'm right in that mode right now? So, uh, you're the victim of a long answer of that but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's the way it is man
1: Sure, all good, man. Well, let me ask you one serious one um, we both Lost a very good friend uh, about a year ago, and I wanted to get um a a good story if you have one that comes to mind quickly about our our friend Bob Oh uh,
0: yeah, good st- tons of good stories about him. I mean, if it wasn't for him, um, so many things in my career would have not happened. Um, he was like the first guy who knew people in the music business who was in my corner, you know, when sure. I lived in Hawaii, which is literally just a speck of nothingness in the sea. He was up here, up not up here in Japan, but he was up in America, you know, playing my demo for people and writing about it in his magazine. And he didn't have to do that. There was no money in that for him. Um, but he genuinely liked it and liked me and I liked him and he was just in my corner you know and a lot of the people listening to your podcast probably have their own bands and they realize how few people actually go out of their way mm-hmm. to help you you know there's just so few helping hands out there especially in your early days um you know, people help you with money. They help you with food. They help you with gear. But not a whole lot of people help spread your product, spread your mm-hmm. music out to other people. You know, and that's something that money can't really buy. And Bob did that on so many levels um, from the beginning, just from sure. the earliest days. And, and he's just, he's the real deal, man, completely through the love of music you know, you, you see these people in the music industry and maybe more so in America than in, in Japan, but these people in music industry jobs that have absolutely no business being in the music industry. Maybe they do because they have a good business sense and they mm-hmm. have good business IQ. But I noticed coming to Japan that a lot of the people in the music industry record label people these people are in it for the love of music and you can see it with their knowledge just the way they react to music and the way they talk about music when you're not talking about a project that you're working on and bob was in that category um so like he would be the type of guy that if you're an american on an american record label and he was working at that label he would be the guy that you want working your record because he actually belonged in that world you know so many people in the music business get in there for whatever reason but when you talk to these people they're just kind of blank pages kind of vapid when it comes to music not all definitely not all sure but a lot of these people and they just kind of like glad hand you and schmooze you. And, you know, that's part of the music business. And, but Bob was like the real deal. You could see it. Anything that he did was from the core of his being was just to be a part of making music cooler for his own taste. Yeah. He would go out of his way to do it. So I always love that about the guy. Just way too young, way too young to not have him there. You know, so much has happened since we've lost him that I would have been sharing with him so much.
1: Yeah, I I do that every, at least once a week. I think to myself, I'll I'll hear something or I'll be honest, the Metallica record, just as an example. You know, I mean, you obviously know his love of Metallica and his closeness to those guys. When the 72 Seasons came out, I, I was, I was so in my head. Oh, I got to call. Oh, I can't, you know, it, it was that, that kind of thing. And it just sucks you know, is he like 58 or something? It just, it is the worst, but great guy. And I mean, his legend, hopefully, hopefully the, the videos, the inside metal documentaries, and, you know, obviously his work with you and people know that story, you know, hopefully that lives on because like you said, he was one of the true, true guys, not just a guy. You know,
0: so oh, no, you're, you're so right, and ex- everything that he kind of put together, he put a lot of people together, um, a lot of uh, bands formed from his recommendations, yeah. and uh, you know, if 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 he didn't introduce me to Megadeth, I would have never even heard about the audition. So there's one right there, sure, and it's just a big part of the scene and and a big part um it definitely his influence lives on because he was the kind of glue between a lot of things that would have never come together and uh and at the very earliest stage of when heavy metal was just starting to get popular sure he was one of the pioneers of grassroots promotion Mm -hmm. pioneer and that's no one ever thought metal was going to get big, but it was from him doing stuff like he did and guys influenced by him in the UK and in other countries to do that kind of grassroots promotion. Next thing you know, metal's big and big and big, and it's still here now. So, like, sure, he definitely has a, a place solidified in the history of metal music. His music,
1: I agree, definitely. Well, Marty, uh, let's wrap this one up. Um, You have, like, as you said, you have new music that you're working on. Do you have a timeline for it, or is it kind of when it's ready, it's ready?
0: No, it's going to be early next year, the spring of next year. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, the details will be on all my um, social information. Um, I don't know when this comes out. I'm going to be going to L.A., um, to do the rock and roll fantasy camp in November, very good. Um, which is the first time I've ever done that that crazy thing, and I'm going to be doing a, a a seminar at the Japan Foundation in L.A. on uh, November 9th, where I've done seminars with them many times, and it's always fantastic. Um, they're a great organization. They have an organization in New York and L.A. And I think Sydney and it's just a wonderful thing for people interested in Japan to uh, go and uh, enjoy their resources. So uh, I support them and I do seminar seminars with them every couple of years. So I'm going to be doing that. And while I'm in LA, I'll do a guitar clinic at the MI also nice. on the ninth, the, the rock and roll fantasy camp is going to be fun for those little campers showing up. And, uh, I'm a strict camp leader. So, uh, <laughs> it should be they'll never forget.
1: <laughs> very good, man. Well it sounds like a lot of great stuff coming, Marty. I cannot wait for the new music.
0: And uh Marty, uh, thanks again for joining me here on Chris aker Presents. Thank you very much, Chris. It's nice chatting with you. Hope to see you in America soon.